Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Bay. I'm at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation's Port Isabel Island Education Center in the middle of the bay adjacent to Tangier Island, one of the two primary islands still inhabited by humans. And I'm joined, it's my great pleasure, to be joined by the mayor of Tangier Island, James Eskridge. But James, nobody calls you James. Your name is Uker. Yeah. So Mayor Uker, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. And uh, there's got to be a story behind the name Uker. Yeah, most everybody on Tangier goes by a nickname, but I've had mine since I was probably four years old or so. Uh, I used to have a pet rooster followed me around town, and whenever I went out, the, the rooster went with me, and uh, I tried to crow like the rooster did, and it <laughs> sort of came out as ooker, so that's, uh, I've had it for a long time. It stuck. Yeah, everybody addresses me as ooker, even the governor. You know, I'm mayor ooker. Mayor ooker. To the governor, so. Very good. Yep. Well, the governor's been out here some lately. What, tell us, for, let's, let's start with telling us a little bit about Tangier. How many people live on the island? What's the primary occupation? Give us just a little background, because it's a fascinating story. Tangier Island is, is uh, first and foremost, it's a crabbing community, fishing community. Oysters in the wintertime, of course. And um, the population is about 470. And um, the harvest in the bounty of the Chesapeake Bay is the way we make a living. That's how we put food on the table and uh, put our kids through school. And so it's all about harvesting the bay. And, uh, but we, we do have some concerns. Uh, I would say our major concern is the erosion of the island. We're losing quite a bit of land due to erosion and sea level rise and a combination. Uh, and, and whenever we get a storm like a tropical system or nor'easters, it accelerates the the erosion so we're uh we really need some help and uh, and we need it quick uh because we're we're running out of uh, land to give up and i feel we don't have a lot of time so uh the help the help is out there i mean tangier can be saved and uh but i would say that's our major concern and of course uh keeping the guys working uh uh, keeping the regulations at a level that, of course, you need regulations, of course, and that, but uh, the guys need to be able to go to work. They need to be able to crab and fish and oyster. And um, I think if we can, if we can do the, do those two things, we'll be in we'll be in good shape. Well, I want to come back to fisheries and uh, how we're doing on crabs, how we're doing on oysters, what you're seeing in terms of water quality. But just let's stick on the erosion for a second. What you see here on Tangier Island and your neighbor Smith Island to the north is the direct impact on people of sea level rise, storms, and maybe increasing intensity of storms yes. and erosion. This, this is your home that is literally washing away. Yeah, it's ironic. I mean, over the years, the Chesapeake Bay has provided the living for the folks on Tangier. And now it's the Chesapeake Bay that's threatening the island to take it away. So, uh, and and I do see I do see like an increase in storms and intensity, and uh, 
it's a it's a major concern for the residents of Tangier. And whenever there's a storm threatening, that's I mean you can see it on the people's faces. It's it's, it's a it's a worry. It's a concern. It's an anxiety. It is. It is. It it, it causes a lot of stress. And uh, I, I like I said earlier, that's that's the major concern of the residents. You had mentioned that the governor calls you Mayor Uker. So has the governor been out here looking at the island in terms of possible help? Yeah, the governor came out, um, I believe it was in the spring. Uh, McAuliffe, Governor McAuliffe came out and uh, took a, t a quick tour of the island. And, and we pointed out the places where we're vulnerable from the erosion. And uh, he seemed very, very interested. And he uh, said he would, you know, definitely do what he could to help. And uh, he said it was a... Uh, it was a unique place, and Tangier Island is a unique place, community, and it's uh, it's well worth saving. And Tangier, I mean, we can be saved if uh, we get the help we need. The right state and federal support to yep. armor the shoreline where yep. it needs to be. Yep. Now, a lot of our listeners might not know, Tangier Island residents are direct descendants of some of the earliest settlers of America. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yep, they came from uh, Cornwall, England, and we still retain uh, the accent from that area because we've had uh, folks to visit Tangier that have been to Cornwall and said it, it's remarkable the similarity of the accent. And uh, yeah, we uh, some of the first settlers were over here in the early 1700s, but I was down in Jamestown and a lady was telling me about Jamestown. Uh, Captain John Smith coming there in, in 1607, and I had a hat on from Tangier, which said Tangier Island, uh, 1608. So <laughs> I told her, you, you only beat us by a year. Now, the population has been declining, but 470, 480 people, that, there's still a lot of people on Tangier Island. And one of the things I always notice is how many children there are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tangier, we have a lot of kids. And a lot of children, and, and that's that's good for a community. It's very healthy. I mean, I mean for any to com any community, it's important to have uh, young people and kids uh, on the island. And what's what's very unique is the school. Tell us a little bit about Tangier School. Yeah, we have a Tangier has a combined school. We have a kindergarten through twelfth grade, and uh, small classes, of course. But it's a nice teacher-student ratio, and. Uh, it's nice that they can get the complete education up through 12th grade and stay on the island. I know Smith, they have to, I think when they're in high school, they have to go to the mainland by boat. And uh, Even middle school now in Smith is going off island. Okay. So that, you know, they get exposed at a much earlier right. age to right. being off the island. Yeah. You all are keeping them here. Yeah. So I would think that more of your young people as they grow up, are staying on the island. I mean, yeah. obviously some are leaving. But. Yes, yes, some are leaving, but some are staying. Uh, and, and I believe that's a factor because they grow up on the island and they go, they complete their schooling here. So they learn to love the island and its people. And uh, I heard the senior class has something like seven students. Yeah, yep, seven students. Are they uh, college bound? Where are they going to stay some, here and uh, work? Uh, military? Two or three are going to college. A couple of them are going into the military. And I believe maybe one or two, uh, they're going on to tugboat. Oh, uh, working on tugboats. Yeah, uh, folks on the island that don't make a living on the water, they work with these tugboat companies, which is good. They're able to work with these companies, yet uh, remain on the island and raise their families here. So uh, they're usually on the boats two weeks and them home two weeks. So 
the catch of oysters, crabs, fish, that's really the, the livelihood, the principal livelihood for Tangier. Now, you and I may disagree sometimes on the margins in terms of regulations. We've had some spirited conversations, yep. Yep. but we've always been friends. Yes. But what about water quality? How important is that? And what have you seen for the better or for the worse over the years? Uh, water quality is, is improved. I've seen a, a great increase, or I mean, uh, the water quality today is so much better than it was just a few years ago. And uh, as a result, uh, the oyster population is very healthy. Our last probably six or seven oyster seasons have been outstanding. And it looks like we're gonna have another good one, a lot of small oysters. And the crab, the crab population is up. It's, it's unbelievable the number of crabs out there this year. And it's adults right down to the juveniles, and it's uh, it's very encouraging. So uh, I think the the improvements that have been made in the bay, uh, like water quality, I think it's all it's all helping. What we got to do is we got to keep it going. Yes. And not lose ground, keep the momentum up, not take our eye off the ball. You have a very specialized form of crab operation. Tell us about it. Yeah, my. Uh, crab operation. I shed soft crabs. I catch peeler crabs in the summertime and bring them into my crab house or crab shanty and shed the crabs uh, away from the molt or shed and then uh, pack them up and send them to the Big Apple. To the New York? Yep. Yep. Most of my crabs go to the Fulton Fish Market. Some go locally in Crisfield, but uh, that's mainly what I do in the summertime is soft crabs and eels in the fall. Uh, harvest eels in the fall and oysters in the wintertime. Well, there's no favorite dish for me than a soft crab sandwich if if it's cooked properly, especially right. the way I yeah. cook it. Yeah, Because yeah. I cook it better than anybody else. Yeah, and, I'm sure. <laughs> but you're, you, the quantities are astounding. Tell us what you might ship in a day or a week. Uh, with the soft crabs, it's 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 not uncommon, uh, especially in the middle of the season, at the heart of the season, to be sending like uh, fifty dozen soft crabs or or more. Fifty dozen. Yeah, fifty dozen, and uh, of course it's up and down. It, right. it uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's like I said earlier, it's outstanding the the crabbing, and uh, same thing with the with the hard crabs. The the catch limits are reached with only a few crab pots, and it's been. Uh, it's been unbelievable this year. Now, for a soft crabber like you with an operation like yours, you don't really sleep during the heart of the season, do you? No, I don't get a lot of sleep, <laughs> maybe three or four hours at the most. Uh, because? Yeah, because the soft crabs, when they're molting, uh, after a few hours, they have to come out of the water or the shell gets hard again. Right. So we have to remove them from the water and refrigerate them. Now, once out of the water, the shell will stay soft. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's pretty much a round-the-clock job, and uh, once you catch the crabs and put them into tanks, you have to babysit those crabs until they molt or shed. So you've got the, the crabs that you can tell by looking at their shells that they're close to molting. They go into the floats, into the areas that you're watching them, and as they shed, you're scooping them out and putting them yep. on ice and in uh, under uh, grass seaweed. Yep. And then they get sent out alive. Yeah, they get a they get a one way ticket to New York City. Still alive. Yep, still alive. They arrive alive up there. We can ship crabs out in the morning or afternoon, and 
2 a.m. the next morning, they're on the market in New York. It's fabulous. fabulous. And, and same thing with the eels. Uh, most of my eels go to New York, Fulton Fish Market. And I, I highly recommend the eels. Tell us what the eel fishery is all about. Uh, well, first of all, it's a slippery business. <laughs> but it's... Uh, <laughs> Eeling, it's, it's nice. I mean, it, the main time for eels is in the fall. Eels are migrating, and uh, I catch them in the shallows, grassy areas, and uh, and as the weather cools up, I move out in deeper water. But it's uh, And then where do they get shipped? They go to New York, and then from there, I think some go to Europe, some go to Asia. Mm-hmm. Some they- stay some stay right around New York. I know around Christmas time, uh, Italians, uh, they have a, there's a large demand for eels around Christmas time. And I think Italians have like a special thing around Christmas time, and eels are part of it. Like I said, I, I highly recommend eels. I've never had one, but I, I, I think everybody else should eat them. <laughs> On that note, Mayor Eckridge, Mayor Uker, I can't thank you enough for your friendship over many years, decades. We've been here this year 25 years yeah you've been a great friend you've told it like it is when we when you felt your you you spoke your mind at all times and you let us speak our minds but overall we've been great friends and we can't thank you enough i should let our listeners know that uker has always invited the students who come to port isabel island to visit his crab shanty to see the operation to learn about the life cycle of blue crabs you've just been a great colleague and a great friend yeah, and I, I do I do thank you for the work you've done over the years and uh, keeping the bay healthy. And uh, I know we're, we both have that interest. I mean, uh, we harvest the bay, but we, we want a healthy bay because uh, if we don't, then we're in trouble. So uh, I appreciate what the work you've done over the years yeah, and the foundation. Well, Uker, thanks so much. This is Will Baker, president of Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Turning the Tide, Saving the Bay, our podcast runs every two weeks. You can access all podcasts before, during, and after at our website, cbf.org. Thanks again, Uker. Sure. 